Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. While Man City clinching the title feels like a foregone conclusion, there's still plenty of intrigue in the Premier League with a four-way battle for fourth place and a nail-biting relegation dogfight to keep us all guessing. Over in the United Arab Emirates, Chelsea face Palmeiras for world domination. Two mammoth matchups in Serie A, a Catalan derby, and those are just the appetizers, my friends. And finally... Finally, I'm reunited with Heath Pierce and Jimmy Conrad. Giggle Lasso Weekend Preview begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Giggle Lasso. Jimmy Conrad. I feel like I've just met you, my friend. How are you? <laughs> I'm great, LME. Great to see you and to hear your beautiful voice as always. And what's up, Heath? <laughs> <laughs> Heath Pierce. How are you, buddy? Uh, that was pretty good, Jimmy. That was very like well trained. <laughs> Actually, I would love for Luis to give you a little critique on the the just professional acting training of that for you. Yeah, to I thought it was very uh, good. I wasn't <laughs> expecting it because he he went from a hundred to four. He was like, "It's awesome!" Hi, Heath. I see. I talk to Heath a lot. So I was like, yeah, "Other than the right. fact that the people couldn't hear before we started the show, the bullying that I was receiving." <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was good, no you know? bullying. Okay. I never I never thought that the the point at which we go live is the safest space for me. Knowing that <laughs> Everybody needs to know this. This is what happens. We all jump on with Des Norris all ready to go. And every single time Heath Pierce, for some reason, because, you know, it's the 70s, knocks some massive cable that he has behind his leg. And that messes up all his internet. And for some reason, he always says, I don't know how this keeps happening. Could yeah. it be you, Heath Pierce? We, we make fun of him because he's got dial up. And all of a sudden, it's bullying <laughs> once we start the show. It goes, I'm I'm not saying another word till Luis does that sound again. <laughs> it's like right, a no, I can now. I can get back into the show now. Uh, uh, but yeah, I honestly, guys, I'm I'm looking down at it. Everything's just there's no structural integrity uh, or issues to the integrity of my structure here. But like I keep having. We're still issues, talking so. about the internet, right? Now. <laughs> that sounds like Tottenham <laughs> and my back. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Weekend Preview. See, this is why they don't let us do these anymore as often, because we get into just anything else. But welcome to the Weekend Preview, as obviously domestic competition returns. Uh, it's already returned, obviously, midweek action, etc. But Heath Pierce, Jimmy Conrad, we're here to talk about it all. The Premier League, Serie A, and of course, La Liga, and much, much more. And by the way, the Champions League returns next week, so I'm sure... We're going to talk about it later on next week as well. But Jimmy and Heath, let's get things going. By the way, let's talk about the Premier League. By the way, disclaimer, we're recording this before Thursday's fixtures. Liverpool against Leicester and Wolves against Arsenal. Okay, so just a disclaimer on that. But we wanted to begin with kind of like a reset button, right? The winter break is done. Man City pretty much getting away with everything. Liverpool obviously uh, being part of a of a two-horse race, albeit not a very tight one. I think the race for the top four, specifically that fourth spot, Jimmy Conrad, mm -hmm. is really the main 
talking point. Sure. Tottenham and Manchester United dropping points midweek. West Ham, of course, taking advantage. I really wouldn't discount Wolves. I know that we're not they haven't played Arsenal yet, but it's getting interesting for that fourth spot, Jimmy Conrad. It is actually, and I'll start with Wolves. Only 19 goals scored in 22 games. Probably not good enough to get top four. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, with regard to the other teams, West Ham only won five out of their last 12 games in the Premier League. I don't know if they have the depth. They ob obviously are in the Europa League as well. That's a bit of a new adventure for them under David Moyes. I think that's going to be a lot for them to juggle. And I don't know if they have the depth to, to manage that, even though Suchek and Declan Rice, I think, are probably – the two best holding midfielders potentially in the league. I don't know. Somebody wants to fight me on that. But but uh, when they're healthy and ready to go, they're very good. When I look at Spurs and Manchester United, they both actually are two teams that have managerial changes. You're right. So they're trying to kind of re-figure out their identity or to work through whatever they're working through. And it's clear both of those teams aren't the same, even though I think I like both of their managers and they will get that right at some point. Well, I don't know if Rangnick's going to be in charge enough to make that right by the end of the season. So Arsenal kind of stand out for me. Also, they don't have any European competitions. They got bounced out of the FA Cup in the third round. They they kind of have smooth sailing. Not to say that their schedule is easy. There's no easy games in the Premier League. But I do think they have a manager. They have an identity. They just got rid of Aubameyang, got rid of that situation. It's off their plate. I kind of like Arsenal to get fourth. And I know that Heath's going to be pretty excited that I had to say that because usually I'm here to give some Arsenal slander. And I'm going the other direction. That's well said, Jimmy. Uh, listen, I, I mean, the main thing that I look at when I look at the table is not so much the form, because if I went on current form, I don't really trust Spurs or Arsenal in that context. But what I do see is the games in hand, three games in hand for each. Obviously, Arsenal still to play Wolves, uh, and that'll put them at two games in hand. But those games in hand, if used right, will just, even with decent results, still put you in front of West Ham in that fourth spot. For Manchester United, they have a game in hand, but I'm less... Uh, just the fact that they only have a game and the fact that I just don't see where the upside is with United still. I, I think that Spurs and Arsenal both have a better chance. And like Jimmy said, I think Arsenal have the clearest path uh, if they can get those results just based on games in hand alone. But again, if it's just off of the start-stop nature of everyone, I, I just don't know if anyone's better than West Ham other than the fact that they've got a little padding uh, with, with some games to play. Yeah, I, the way that I do this, guys, is process of elimination. I'm trying to just figure out who has the biggest weaknesses, the more weaknesses, who's more vulnerable, and then you kind of eliminate. So to your points, both your points, Arsenal, I think, you know, given the games in hand, uh, I'm a little worried about their lack of business in January, especially if you get some key injuries at the back. I mean, you know, that could be, you know, interesting to see. But I think they're well managed enough by Mikel Arteta to make a run. Tottenham, I have got no idea, man. Like, they lose to Southampton 3-2. They do that amazing win before that. I don't know yet. They're like Antonio Conte. They're chaotic. Uh, so I, I really don't know what to make of them. Wolves, uh, to your point, Jimmy, I think the points are not enough right there. West Ham, Jimmy, are they really better than Spurs, United, and Arsenal? Do you think they could do this? Obviously, the Kurt Zuma situation doesn't help, I guess. We're not going to get too much into it. You already know what's going on. It's more about really how much West Ham can do here because they are the ones right now in fourth place. I think every West Ham fan right now is screaming at us saying, hey, we're the ones in the Champions League spot. What say you? No, no, I and I understand that, and I respect it. But when I look at David Moyes overall over his career, over 20 years managing in the top flight, whether it's in Spain or or wherever else he went, which is crazy, actually, that David Moyes was in Spain. I know, that's really guy. weird, actually. But, but he's as gringo as gringo gets, I think. But <laughs> but he's only finished in the top four once. 
in over 20 years of managing. And not to say that he can't do it, not that he doesn't have the collection of players, but when you have to balance the Europa League, I do think that's going to matter. And they're trying to balance and have success in multiple competitions. I just think there's going to be a natural drop off. It's just hard to be able to focus. Okay, wait, what what competition are we in? Well, you know, the top clubs have to deal with this a lot, but they also have a, a lot of money to spend. There's a part of me, though, I'm going to pivot to Manchester United because there's a part of me that thinks if Rangda can get this figured out, and he is slowly, and, and I think that United fans just lack patience and and they want that. Thomas Tuchel, I think, did a disservice to any manager taking over because, because he took over a Chelsea team last year where Frank Lampard said this team isn't good enough to win trophies. Then he came in, and now he's in his fifth final because they're in the FIFA Club World Cup final as well, wins the Champions League. Now now that's like the measuring stick. See, somebody can come in midseason and lead you to trophies. And, and that might be a little unfair to, to certain managers that are taking over. Rangnick's come in and actually established an identity where prior the, tw- the 12 games prior to... Uh, Rangnick taking over when Ole Gunnar was still there. They gave up 24 goals in 12 games. The defense was all over the place. Yeah. In those 12 games since, when Rangnick's take over, they've only given up nine. And that's with Harry, Harry Maguire playing pretty poorly, their defense playing pretty poorly, probably relying on De Gea to make some world-class saves as always. And their schedule's a little bit easier, in fairness to Ole Gunnar a little bit. The schedule's a little bit easier in these last 12 games. But they've scored 16, so they're, they're, they're balancing the team a little bit more. Now it's just choosing the best 11. And when I look at the Middlesbrough performance, when I look at the Burnley performance, they created enough chances to score goals. And if I'm Rangnick and I'm on the coaching staff, like we've locked it down, and, and the goals they gave up to both of those clubs was like the first chance those, those, those uh, clubs had against them. And that's so heartbreaking when you're dominating a team and then they score on their first chance. You're Quickly like, include Southampton, it. Jimmy, because that's the team that they're playing next. They just won against uh, Tottenham. And by the way, to yeah. your points about the stats, like they've only scored more than once on three occasions with Ranić. That's, that's right. not good enough, No, man. no, it's, it's not, 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 especially given their, their attacking prowess. So, yes, yeah. the Southampton game is going to be very interesting. I don't feel like they're as dangerous at Old Trafford as they used to be. I think we've talked about that before. But, but I'm not completely off the train of Manchester United. I, I think they are a couple run of games in and maybe they can put some pressure and maybe sneak into the top four, but it feels like they lack a little bit of identity. Yeah, the, the rebuttal that I have to that is just that the team is still built around Ronaldo and Ronaldo's not scoring, right? So yeah. you're not scoring a ton of goals. You're giving up less goals, but you just went through that, Jimmy, that they're giving, like, if you were to put all of what you said into some sort of uh, formation or or foundation, it's hard to find that foundation, right? You talked about a back line that's not playing well, but somehow they're not giving up as many goals. Yeah, yeah. On the front end, you have Ronaldo, who's not scoring, but is still sort of the mainstay within that team. And how do you build your 11, which you mentioned as well? I think all of those make it hard for me to co- sort of put that into some sort of package where you go, oh, yeah, the results start to look consistent from here on out. The results are better. The stats are better. But within all of that, what what sort of weight do we yeah. have uh, yeah. to, to build on from that? They have a game in hand, only a point behind West Ham. By the way, I think, you know, Champions League returning and stuff might be a tricky yeah. situation yeah. for them as well. But they well. got Atletico Madrid, who are kind of in the same boat, right? They have all this talent. And I guess what I wanted to say really quick, LME, was that I, I kind of said that Rangnick established an identity. And then and I said they don't really have an identity. It's less, less that. I just don't think they've figured out their best 11. And I think Atletico Madrid falls into the same camp. And, and and I do think that's a pretty good matchup for United that that because they're both a little bit vulnerable, United can take advantage. You no, know, yeah, fair point. I think to me it's more about burden of schedule. I think just like another sure, game sure, to sure. deal with. And I think when you have another 
thing to do, which is to look for lack of better phrase, babysit Cristiano Ronaldo and make sure that he's happy on top of trying to make sure you get a best 11 to your point. It's going to be a problem. Let's move on. Uh, hey, listen, Heath, Tottenham against Wolves. Obviously, we know what happened with Tottenham, but we're taping this before Wolves' game against Arsenal. Southampton, uh, Southampton, we mentioned against Manchester United, but Wolves, I mean, listen, you know, we're talking about them legitimately eighth right now as we take. They obviously could, could, could climb even higher. And now facing a Tottenham side who lost to Southampton, They're, they brought in a lot of players in January, not a lot, but, you know, deep in their squad. What, what, what do you make of this team? Because to your point, two games in hand, Antonio Conte wants Europe. How's it looking? Yeah, this Wolves team are, are hard for teams to approach because they don't score a ton of goals, but they don't give up a lot of goals, right? And that is very hard when you're a big team or a small team trying to figure out how it is you are going to break them down. Obviously, Spurs uh, in their last game had two leads and gave them up. I think that's very problematic in, in terms of staying in games. Obviously, we saw that with uh, with with your, your, your Aston Villa as well. But Spurs had the leads. They're scoring the goals. They're creating the chances. And they need to be able to just close out those games. And I know that's a common theme also that, that I know you're feeling inside of you with Villa, Luis, of, of knowing that you're creating a lot of chances. You've got the quality. You've got the players. You've actually got the buy-in on the system at the moment with the players that you have. You've shipped out a couple of players in the winter. And, and now they need to be able to close out those games. And just like anyone, it's like when the front is working, the back is not working. And I think it's it continues to be an issue the vulnerability of the backline of, of of Spurs that if they can shore yeah. that up and it's not for a lack of quote unquote quality because that same backline has done the job in the past that same backline has been more confident and more shored up in the past that if they can do that then then yeah they should be able to take care of Wolves and I think uh, you know legitimately be a top four contender. Yeah, wow. There's a lot to unpack here. This Tottenham team, I wanted to see how they respond. You know, and and given given how oh, the way that they. They gave up the lead and and Emerson at the back post. You know, he's not only trying to become the, the regular for, for Tottenham at, at that spot, but also for Brazil, right? And the World Cup is looming, and obviously everybody wants to be in good form going into that. So it's just crazy to me that they have as many talented players as they do. I've never and, loved Emerson, by the way. I, I, I for something about his game I haven't really bought into fully. I, well, is he a wing back? Is he an out? Is, you know, I don't know if he's a proper right back you know where, where he can get in there and kind of make sure he manages the back and that post. doesn't help when Conte is your manager because no. uh, you know you want him to go full on yeah it's interesting I'm, I'm curious to see how they're going to respond and and Antonio Conte's comments after the loss of Southampton he said his team uh has mental instability and and <laughs> it's interesting because it's almost like, didn't you know that about the club in general when you, before you signed up? Like, Hello, it doesn't matter. It's well, our motto it, on the wall. Well, isn't that also what it means when you're ahead and then you give up goals and you lose? Isn't that the 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 actual? Isn't that the way that you would like paint the picture of mental instability? Is like, uh, hey, is. you've got it in your hand, and oh, it's not in your hand anymore. What it's, happened? I, it's yeah. it's so I, I I'm curious to how does Antonio Conte deal with that in in training? How does he deal with that in managing his players? How are they going to respond? Uh, this is a tough one for Wolves because I think that Spurs, especially at home, are going to want to come out and set the tone right away. So if I'm looking at it from a betting perspective, I, I I think that Spurs will win. I think it'll be under two and a half goals. I think it'll be really tight. And I think Spurs are going to look to get an early goal and just kind of sit in a little bit because I think they fear that when they stretch or if they try to play, and, and Conte also said that when he he was really upset with how they were managing the ball. But that first 20 minutes of the Southampton game, I was like, these guys – look unbelievable because the press was very good. They were making good, quick decisions on the ball. And then when 
Southampton scored, their heads went down because Ben Davies did the Steven Gerrard and slipped. Sorry, Liverpool fans, I just gave Steven Gerrard a uh, you know shot from nowhere. That was that was uncalled for. But yeah. but but their heads went down, and you could see it. And and that just takes time to eliminate that type of mentality where you can just regain control of the game. And I thought Spurs really struggled with that. Once Southampton got a grip of it, they were pretty much in complete control for a while. And Spurs can never regain that. And I think that's a hallmark of a good team. Sure, every five, ten minutes of a half, uh, maybe a lesser team will have control. But you're always kind of there. And, and you know that when it's time to like hit a switch, you can do it. And I don't think Spurs have that right now. Is it due to personnel? Is it due to this mental instability of just the team overall? Probably a mix of everything. And obviously trying to implement all everything that uh, Antonio Conte wants to do. So it's... Uh, it's a mixed bag, but I do think they're going to respond here, and they need to respond if they really do want to get into that top four spot. All right, well, let's get really quick on the uh, on the predictions then here. Uh, obviously, it's going to be hard because uh, Leicester City host West Ham. We're taping this before Leicester's game against Liverpool. And Brendan Rodgers really, he knows it. It's not a shocker. You know, he's under a little bit of pressure here with Leicester City. It's not going too well. But very quickly, Jimmy, United Southampton, what do you see there? I think that United will be up for it. I think that they've dropped some points, obviously get knocked out of the FA Cup. I think that Ronaldo will start, and I always like him to score the first or last goal. That is like plus 175. I, I, uh, Yeah, I think Southampton feel fortunate. They were in a good spot, and uh, Broja's an excellent player. He'll probably be back at Chelsea next season, which kind of makes me a little worried about Christian Pulisic. You know what? That's a conversation for another time. So, so I like United to win that one. Keith? Yeah, I like United as well. Um, I'm going to go with the United win. I don't really have a particular score. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph Hasenhutl has been doing some good things, by the way. Southampton, are, to this point, right now, top half of the table. But I'm going with, uh, I think United finally figure it out in this one. Very quick prediction on Tottenham Wolves um, there, Heath Pierce. Uh, I'm going to go Spurs uh, 1-0, like Jimmy said. I think he talked me into that result. Uh, again, playing into the fact that Wolves, uh, pretty low-scoring games um, and and Spurs at home. So I'm going to go with 1-0 for uh, Spurs. Jimmy, yeah, same with that? Same, same, 1-0. I think, I think once they get that first goal, which they're going to try to go get, they're going to sit back and just absorb. It's not going to be pretty, but they just need results at this point. Well, now you're, now you're talking me to a 2-0, Jimmy, because that sit-back, you know, counterattack opportunity might spring That's out uh, a few late goals. Oh, God, dude. Either, yeah, way, either way, you can still have, you can still have uh, Spurs to win in under two and a half goals. Let me, yeah. let me see what that pays very quickly. While you no, give I, us I your predictions, LME, what do you got? I go, I go, I'm going with a 2-0. I think Tottenham are going to be mad. I think Conte is going to really be mad. I don't know if they'll concede, though. That's the, the only thing, actually. Will they concede? I'm not sure. I mean, Adamitro are no longer a Wolves. I don't think that matters too much for uh, Langla. But, you know, I still think that Tottenham will take this win. 2 nothing. I'll yeah. stick with that. Leicester okay. City, West Ham, that's by plus, the way. That's plus 240, by the way. Tottenham to win under two and a half oh, goals. If you want... Tottenham to win with a clean sheet. That's plus 150. Go ahead. Next one. Interesting. I'm very quick on this one. It's obviously very difficult because West Ham um, already already played, but Leicester City, as we tape, have not played Liverpool yet. So, But Leicester really need to get things going. I don't see them beating Liverpool at all. I mean, I could be wrong by the time you listen to this, but they're hosting West Ham. Jimmy, very quick on that one. Uh, Leicester, really disappointing. I think that... Uh... Their lack of defensive cover really hurt them when Fofana went down, James Justin went down, Johnny Evans can't get healthy, and Didi gone for a portion of the of everything with AFCON. It, it's been a struggle for them. I like their their front players. Tielemans, obviously, his head is distracted. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? I just think they're all over the place. I could see Brendan Rodgers getting fired if we're going to bet on something, but but um, which is a little bit of a shame. I, I I think West Ham will get a result here, and I'll say a draw on this. I'll give Lester a little bit of fight, but. It's going to be like 2-2. Two, two. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, it's hard to preface this without knowing, obviously, the result that we mentioned with, with, with Liverpool, knowing that that could have some momentum swings, but I just don't think they can get a result against Liverpool, and therefore I think it's more deflating to them, obviously, looking back to the the knockout of Nottingham Forest, the giant killers of, of, of FA Cup, and then, and then they have to take on a West Ham side that are, again, like you had mentioned earlier in the show, Luis, just fighting to say, hey, we are the ones in the fourth place spot. You know, you, you come and take it from us. And I think they have that mentality and a little bit of that chip on the shoulder as everybody continues to talk about who's going to jump them, who's going to jump them. And so I say, well, I, th- I think West Ham get a result in this one. If you look at just Leicester's results throughout the last months, just really inconsistent. They've got Randers coming up in, in uh, the, the, the Europa Conference League, which could give them a little bit of a balance compared to other teams looking beyond this match itself before they play Wolves. But yeah, I'm saying uh, a win for uh, West Ham. Yeah, I'm going that too. And I think uh, Jimmy's point about Brendan Rodgers' future is probably the biggest talking point on that one but there you have it all right very quick here uh we have a five minute limit according to our producer <laughs> des morris he, what? What? it's because we went on and on about the internet issues that heath pierce always suffers but we're going to talk about the relegation battle des norris let's show that on the screen newcastle and norwich finding some form specifically newcastle united possibly coming off their most important transfer window in modern time because they really don't just want to strengthen the future but stay in the premier league they finally got out of the relegation zone since september by the way so you know and they're facing a villa side by the way who haven't won at st james's park in 17 years uh so it should be an intriguing one all right well heath let's go with you before uh the newcastle fan can chime in newcastle aston villa very quick on that one uh yeah i mean just thinking about newcastle in general i think they're going to stay safe in in the premier league i I think that people underestimate the power of the fact that they're coming off of back-to-back victories and i think that's huge when you're in those trenches and you realize oh we got to win that's great and then you go oh we got another that's a rally um for the players there and i think uh, when you go against that, going back to the point against Watford, you go, oh, well, I mean, that's not that great of a result considering the position that they're in. But then to go into two huge wins there, I think it's it's amazing for them. They've also got Brentford coming up and uh, Palace as well in the, in the upcoming schedule. So I think that upcoming schedule, yes, that that means they're secured in the Premier League uh, with, the, with, the, with the form that they have. Against Aston Villa, I'm not sure. Uh, Aston Villa, very good, obviously, giving up giving up the leads. I think there's a little bit problematic of very good in the attack, as I mentioned already, not so great uh, defensively in key moments. Uh, but this Newcastle side, this is going to be a challenge for both of them. But I, I do think that Newcastle are the, I mean, Aston Villa, sorry, Jimmy, that came out a little too quick, are the better Fine. team in this one. And that uh, they're going to be, a, it's going to be a draw because Aston Villa never went at Newcastle um, ever. Uh, and uh, you know, and uh, and Newcastle actually have only lost, I think, well, one seven, I, their last seven. I, I uh, appreciate you went right into that game because. Newcastle only lost once in their last seven at home in St. James's Park, and that was to Manchester City. So that's uh, it's not too bad. And they're 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 unbeaten in their last four in the Premier League. I like Newcastle to stay up, even though I'm a Newcastle supporter. So I'm speaking with heavy bias. Uh, you know, I'm only crying tears of oil right now, not tears of sadness. So <laughs> I think things are on the up and up. And we got Bruno Guimaraes, who should get the start yeah. in this one. I want to see I how he that. does trying to manage Coutinho, who has been next level for Aston Villa. With regard to the bottom three in general. I could see it staying how it is currently. You yeah, got Burnley, same. Watford, and Norwich. That said, Brentford is only five points away from, or six points away from Norwich. Norwich has a little something. Dean Smith is like, he's pressing the right Jimmy, buttons. Jimmy, Norwich right have now. to play Liverpool twice. I get one it. In the cup, I and get they also it. have to play Man City. And then they actually have that little window where they play, I think it's, Brentford and Leeds. Uh, Guys, I, I, I'm I, I, actually I mean, really surprised neither of you have mentioned Everton. I think they're a bigger issue. Uh, Frank Lampard has a job to do in this one as that's well. Fair. 
That's he fair. does. Um, but the, fair. the talent, I mean, the talent. Yeah, they exactly. Have is it's just so hard to wrap your head around that as well. But like, you're not wrong, and it definitely warrants. It's kind of like the West Ham argument, where all we do is talk about the teams around West Ham. Uh, the the talk should be about Everton, but it's just so hard to wrap your head around this idea of of Everton being in the trouble that they are with the talent that they have. But I agree with Jimmy. I think the bottom three staying as it is because I think Norwich's job is just too hard and Dean Smith should stay in the championship with this team as well because he can get them back up. But quickly, yeah. Jimmy, yeah. on uh, these games, give me your quick prediction on Newcastle Villa and then we move into Everton Leeds and then we, we'll keep going there. I'm, I'm going to say at a minimum a draw and I'm hoping, so my head says a draw, my heart says a win. I just because this Coutinho guy is is a different gravy. Like where where did they get this guy? This is Coutinho from like five, six, seven years ago when he was playing for Liverpool. He just looks super comfortable. He he they 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 seem to be playing off of him very well. And uh, when he's playing with confidence, he is world class. Yeah, yeah, I love. I told you so as well. <laughs> I, I'm going with the draw there, as I already mentioned. But yeah, I just wanted to mention Coutinho. I mean, I thought this was going to happen with Gareth Bale for like seven years and it didn't. But Coutinho, instantly, you just go, yeah, I was just in the wrong place. People didn't care about me. Nobody gave me a hug. Look how good I am. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Jacob Ramsey as well. What a player. Yeah, 20 years yeah, old. Uh, already, uh, you know, quite the star. All right. Listen, uh, so let's just quickly, before we take a break, uh, Club World Cup. Chelsea against Palmeiras. Chelsea against Palmeiras. We were talking, I was talking earlier today on HQ about how, obviously, when you go to England and stuff, by the way, the Club World Cup, they don't care, obviously, okay? and But it does matter to Roman Abramovich. He he wants he wants this title. And also, this matters a lot to Romelu Lukaku, Jimmy Conrad. I feel like this is just a good chance for him to get back into confidence mode because he is reportedly, Abramovich, losing his patience with Lukaku, and he will always side with Thomas Tuchel, so very quickly on this one, Chelsea against Palmeiras, they lost in 2012. That's right. To, to Corinthians, uh, the winning goal, uh, Paulo Guerrero. Uh, yeah, so they, they have some uh, revenge against the Brazilian club. Now, Palmeiras has never actually won the FIFA Club World Cup, so it would be a very big deal for them. I know that Chelsea didn't play well against Al-Hilal, but they got the, the results kind of Thomas Tuchel-esque, you know, as we yeah. mentioned before. This is his very final Chelsea. with the club. Uh, Lukaku did get the winner, and I think it would be. Uh, and very important for him to win this trophy, no matter how much you rate how important it is. It's like when the Community Shield, when you win it, you're like, it's a big deal. But when you don't, you're like, yeah, it's a Community Shield. Oh, wow. So, yeah. so, so, yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. I know that the Al Hilal coach, uh, Leonardo Jardim, who used to coach Monaco to great success, was kind of pissed because the smaller clubs have to play an extra game. The other ones get to sit and wait in the semis. He didn't feel like that was fair. And uh, I think he makes a very good point. But uh, conversation for another time. I think that Chelsea's experience, because they've only got 90 minutes now to win a trophy, I do think that matters. I think Paul Maris will put in a good fight, just like we saw with Tigres last year. But it's not going to be enough. I think the quality of, of Chelsea should shine through. And, and I think the fine margins will lean towards Chelsea. And I think they're going to be well-organized. And, and uh, we'll probably grind out another 1-0 result. Yeah, I agree. I think that anytime that Chelsea gets to play in a neutral ground like this against the team, obviously you're playing in the in the UAE. I just think that they're far better. The, the interesting thing is, is just the the difference of uh, style of play and cultural differences that come into these games. It's just such, you know, it's just like when you go and watch anything in South America or you go to Asia or the Middle East, the style of play, North Africa, the style of play is just so different that it takes a while and a moment to understand the flow of it, right? Now, if Chelsea can punch them in the face and play a very pragmatic style that I think will frustrate Palmeiras, then I think Chelsea um, win this one easily. If they get caught up in, in sort of the stretching of the field and the game and sort of five on five in each half and these counterattacks and waves and momentum, then I think Palmeiras really do have a chance in this one. But 
I think Chelsea have been through too much. Their schedule's too busy for them to be vulnerable or to play wide open. So I see Chelsea winning this one. Yeah, I agree as well. I'm also interested in the continuation of experimentation of Kai Havertz as a winger. I kind of like it. Uh, <laughs> Chelsea fans hate it, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens there. We're gonna take a break. When we come back, Serie A is so tasty. La Liga, PSG against Ran, and final thoughts. Gigo Lasso weekend preview. Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, LME. We'll be right back. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Jimmy. Yes. Who do you have in the Super Bowl? Oh, I'm going with the Bengals. I grew up in L.A., Okay, and there were two NFL teams at the time, the Rams, shout out to Eric Dickerson, and the Raiders, but I was Raider Nation, baby, so I can't support the Rams in any any way, and, and so I hope the Bengals do it. Joe Burrow, we trust. Stan Kroenke's Rams. Heath Pierce, I mean, an L.A. guy. Who do you have? Well, I'm not an L.A. guy. I'm a 49er guy. Uh, oh, so that's Modesto. right. Yeah. Yeah. Modesto. Yeah. Modesto. We're definitely going for the Bengals. Yes, I'm going for the Bengals. Uh, also, I saw the Conan O'Brien tweet about, uh, you know, I wonder how many uh, Rams fans will be willing to travel this far to to, to support their team <laughs> at, the, at the Super Bowl in L.A. this year. It was kind of funny. That's but yeah, very I'm good. going that, Bengals, yeah. That can also be said to Man City fans as well. So yeah. sorry about that, but that's very true. But here's our plug, everybody. The Early Edge is your go-to source for all things gambling. Ahead of Bengals, Rams, Sportsline's top handicappers are going live every day to bring you information about the latest line movement and bring you their favorite picks and props. Jonathan Coachman, Larry Hartstein are live in L.A. Monday through Friday every morning on CBS Sports HQ and on YouTube at 11 a.m. Eastern. The crew will be going live two hours before kickoff to dish out and recap all their favorite bets given throughout the week. And finally, on Sunday, join the Early Edge Watch Party as our guys give live betting analysis and up-to-date in-game wagers. I'm also going Bengals. I want to see the whole 
United States eating chili at the end of that one as well. Joe Burrow and his necklace. I can't wait. Stan Kroenke will have another final where he won't win. I wonder. We will see. But that's the early edge for you. All right. Let's move on. Serie A. Heath Pierce. Coppa Italia news, by the way, we're going to have a two-legged Milan derby in the semifinals, which is going to be interesting. But Serie A in itself is so tight. And we got Napoli against Inter and Atalanta against Juventus, which is, you know, the battle for fourth, I guess. Talk to me about these games specifically, I guess, Napoli-Inter, Heath Pierce. Yeah, I mean, uh, Inter comfortably bounced back against uh, from their loss to Milan with a win in the Cup over Roma. I think that was a huge statement. If you go back to uh, when they lost to Lazio, I think back in September, October time, they went on their run. It was this bounce back moment, and we and we saw that same as like I mentioned a million times on the show when they beat Milan, and I think around January, February of last year, they just went on this run. So that bounce back now. Beating Roma is a huge thing for them. They obviously have Liverpool coming up, which is going to be difficult as well. They have Napoli. They have Sexy Sassuolo. So they don't have the easiest of schedules when, with regard to the title race. But this is one against uh, Napoli that uh, that Inter have to win. Um, they they they're at they're at home in this one. Uh, again, like I said, this is the momentum swinger for them if they want to be the legitimate title winner. And I still think that they are the best team in the league. They have to be able to beat Napoli. Having said that. I don't think it's going to be that easy. I think Napoli are are sort of treated as the uh, the West Ham, so to speak, of 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 this league in terms of getting the respect of continuing to go punch for punch with everybody. While we talk about will AC Milan win the title, will Inter Milan win the title, and Napoli is just sort of sticking around. So that's going to be a difficult one. I can see this one ending in a draw, almost like a you know fair little handshake, knowing that they could split points here and and take their uh, talents uh, and 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 energies to to take on the rest of the league to fight for the title race. Yeah, I agree with Heath uh, with regard to Napoli not, not maybe getting the re- respect they deserve. And and for a while, it felt like ah, maybe they aren't as good as we thought they were. They started off the season super hot, and then Victor Osiman got hurt. Now yeah. he's back, and he just scored against Venezia in the last game, started and scored. It's not like he came off the bench and they're easing him back in. He started, he's back out there, and he makes their attack so much more dangerous. No Chucky, though. No Chucky, I get that. But but conversely, let's use Atalanta, who just lost Duvan Zapata for, for three months. Yeah. They start to become a little bit more predictable because they don't have what Zapata brings. Now with Osman back, that's going to open up more space for Zielinski, who started this last one in Signe. Uh, you have Politano. Like, all those guys were very good. Less yeah, pressure on Dries Mertens as well. Like he's gonna... That's exactly right. And then when Koulibaly comes back, right, because he uh, just helped uh, Senegal yep. win in AFCON, they start to get back to the team that only gave up, what, three goals in their first 10 or something crazy, some crazy defensive stat where they were unbelievable uh, defensively. And that's what's going to keep them in the conversation. So obviously getting a good result against Inter Milan, who Alexis Sanchez looks like, what? He's like, he's like Coutinho. Like, what are these guys doing? They're supposed to be, you're supposed to be good 10 years ago. And he scored an absolute peach of a goal against Roma. And uh, I like this Inter team because they're not just 11 deep. They have 14, 15, 16 guys that uh, they can count on to, to make a good run. And when Robin Gosens gets healthy, which was a really smart purchase, I thought, from the left side of their team um, from Atalanta, they're going to be even more dangerous and even more balanced. So I could see a draw here. I could see them splitting the points. And uh, no, no one would be surprised, I think, if we saw a 1-1. Well, I tell you what, I mean, Inter Milan are also still probably thinking about that Milan derby from last weekend as well. And they want to rectify that as That's well. By the way, Napoli are at home. Uh, oh, they're my bad. I messed no, that you- up. 
You good, brother. This is why I said it. I'm an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the smartest man alive because I brought that up. Hey, listen, Napoli are unbeaten in 14 of their last 15 um, home games against Mm -hmm. Inter Milan. So that should be interesting. Heath, give me a quick prediction on this one. Then Napoli hosting Inter First uh, and second, by the way. <laughs> well, yeah, it's first for, and now Napoli are at home, which changes everything. And now I'm just going back to all the people on on Twitter that attack me for saying I'm an idiot with it when it comes to uh, to Syria, and I never get it right, and I never get it right, guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, no, this is. I mean, my prediction here is the draw. Obviously, you see the number, the the plus two two fifty five on the draw. <clears throat> I think they're not expecting that for obvious reasons, but I, I could see this one playing out. In that in that specific way, neither team really wanting to give an inch uh, to 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 get all three points and and that finishing in a in a low scoring affair and and likely on a, on a, a point each. Well, there you have it. Well, let's keep uh, going here very quickly. Atalanta Juventus. I mean, you know, this should be a very tasty game here. Jimmy Conrad Dusan Vlaovic in the house. He obviously you know shut off a few mouths in case anybody was criticizing the move of thinking that it's going to take him time or whatever. Less than fifteen minutes, he gets going as well. Asikari as well, you know, Juventus are doing well, but now they're facing Atalanta, who do need help. What do you see? Yeah, I'll start with Atalanta. Fantastic. The best away record in Serie A. Nine wins, three draws, zero losses. That's next level. But at home, only three wins, four draws, and four losses. Just not the same gravy when they play at home. Now, as I mentioned before, Devon Zapata being out, I think that makes them a little bit more predictable. They're coming off a home loss this last weekend against Cagliari who that helped Cagliari get out of the relegation zone. So maybe lacking that little bit of urgency in, in some capacity to, to you know, have to fight for every single ball for whatever reason. I, I love Gasparini. I think he's a terrific manager. But when you match them up against this Juve team, who with Vlahovic, could they have had a better start with their two nine, new, new signings with Vlahovic and Zachary? I mean, it's unbelievable. Those two guys are on fire. And what I loved about Vlahovic is that his movement has inspired Morata's all of a sudden seems like he got a little bit sharper in his gameplay. Dybala has got somebody to play, you know, into those channels ahead of him, which was, uh, which led to the first goal kind of off of his shoulder. He could be a little bit more of the second forward. I like Juve in this one. I don't think they're going to slow down this Vlahovic signing. I think it's really going to turn their season around Atalanta. If Atalanta were away from home and playing in Turin, I'd be like, well, they haven't lost away from home, but for whatever reason, they just kind of suck at home. And without Zapata, I just think that Juve are going to have enough to, to steal the, all three points. Yeah, it blows my mind, Jimmy. And by the way, the way that you're talking about Vlahovic is the same way that I talked about Lukaku when he got to Chelsea of like, oh, it's, brought all, it's made all these <laughs> true, players true, better. True. better. And, but like it's paying off right away. And you can see the instant sort of connection and the style of play and the dynamic movements that he has that just bring players around. And I agree with Jimmy on this one. Juventus are too good. I mean, you're talking about fighting for top four, but if Juventus can keep this up, and I know that the top three are also all in great form. If you look at just their form guides, they're all just sort of humming along. So it, it could be too big of a reach for Juventus to get there. But if you take down an Atalanta, the belief system starts to change that, oh, maybe we can just go on uh, this long run, especially with the fact that they've had additions and it's not just the current team of having current form. They've had some exit of some players that I think had had uh, were surplus to requirements uh, in the transfer window. So I think Juventus win this one, and I think Juventus continue to go on this run and just wait for anybody in the top three even to slip up for one, two games where they can kind of smell a little bit of that blood and maybe start to insert themselves into the conversation for a top three finish, which is very different. No, I totally agree. This is it. Juventus are on fine form. And if they can win this one, right, because they're only a spot above Atalanta, I'm looking at their schedule in Serie A. And, you know, everything should be looking pretty good until around 
April when they have to host Inter Milan. So they really need to take full advantage of what they've done. They had a great transfer window in January, and now it's time for them to really claim, as you said, Heath Pierce, not just fourth, but going up even higher. Let's go uh, and take a look at the rest of those fixtures in City. Uh, there's Norris as we look ahead to some league action in Italy. Uh, Jimmy Conrad, anything that speaks to you Regarding those fixtures, Desnars took them away just like he brought them in. Yeah, I actually want to see uh, AC Milan taking on Sampdoria. I, mm. I want to see a sexy Olivier Giroud continue to bang in the goals. I mean, the guy's been unbelievable. Yeah. He's in good form. He's keeping Zlatan on the bench, who I think is now actually back and ready to go. When Brahim Diaz starts, they're a different team. I think he does very, very well underneath the striker, Rafael Leal. I'm a big, big fan of him. And if all these guys are, are are playing well, they're not too far off of still staying in the conversation for the Scudetto. I just feel like we saw them have a little bit of a slump, and, and I think they're going to have another one. Now it's just a matter of, and this goes for all the teams, but can they minimize that slump and, and try to elongate you know, their good run of form? And this is a jo- good opportunity Jovinko, against the team way, they should beat. They have to beat the teams that they should beat. Jovinko, Sampdoria too. That's right. I forgot yeah. he was back. Huge as a button. I know. Yeah. Shoot us a button, man. Don't forget him in your list. Heath Pierce, anything else from there? Yeah, the team that I've got my eye on, or the match that I've got my eye on, is Sassuolo-Roma. Uh, Sassuolo being those giant killers that we've seen in the past, and Roma just continuing to sort of linger. Uh, and when I think about that, I think about the, just the standards that that Jose Mourinho has set there. They're in a bad run of form right now. I believe you know losing two of their last three, uh, win this, and I, and I believe their last three. I could be wrong on that, but um, just, just seeing that matchup, knowing that Roma currently sitting seventh can continue to fall down further down the table if they're not able to get a result in this one. Uh, and so I just look at this and I go, while we all got caught up in Milan inter and we're caught up now in the weekend's games of, of, of Napoli, uh, against inter and, and Atalanta Juve, there's this other thing happening in the league and Justin Mourinho is there and it feels like it's on, it's bubbling on disaster. Yeah, it is indeed. Um, and I won't even read what Maria said in the locker room after the Inter defeat, but you kind of get the gist. So we'll see what happens there. And by the way, all these games on Paramount Plus, make yes. sure that you subscribe for your seven-day free trial. So much action, and it's on Paramount Plus. And by the way, I talked to Christoph Piatek uh, this week, uh, Fiorentina's new striker, the replacement of Dusan Vlahovic as well. Check it out on our YouTube channel. Uh, he's great. He was also talking about how bad Matty Cash is uh, Polish is, but it's okay. We'll hey, get to that. Luis, yeah. let me ask you a question on that real quick because I haven't had a chance to, to listen to it. Did, did he talk about the filling big shoes? I mean, it just seems like the pressures of that. Um, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, listen, he, he, knows, he knows what he's coming into, but he's not even thinking about that. He's thinking more about because he, he's focusing a lot on how he built so much confidence, confidence from his Genoa days. Mm-hmm. You know, he knows the league. He's a very he's exactly what you expect of a 26 year old Polish striker who usually talks almost every day with Robert Lewandowski. He's very level headed. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see how he does here, but it is big shoes to fill. I mean, Dusan Vlaovic, no, no sane fan of Fiorentina can expect that he will be exactly what Dusan Vlaovic was doing. But as long as they can you know, continue to create and build up the table to get a European spot, we'll see you know, what happens. All right, let's move to Spain. La Liga, Jimmy Conrad. La Liga. Yeah, yeah. I Liga, Jimmy Conrad. I Liga, do you think? Uh, or, or maybe not. Do you think, uh, you know, are, are we done? Is Barcelona keep climbing? Real Madrid, do they have it? Atleti, you mentioned early. There's a Catalan derby, of course. There's Espanol host Barcelona. 
it's called the Spotify Camp Nou now, isn't it? Is, is that what it is, Jimmy? Yeah, I mean, you got to do what you got to do to to pay the bills. I think Real Madrid sold their soul maybe a long time ago, but uh, you got to fund those stadiums, right? And you got to sign those players, those Galacticos, and we can see it with Barcelona maybe going against maybe their DNA, getting a, an Aubameyang and, and uh, Traore, even though he came through the Barcelona Academy system, you know, signing Ferran Torres. It's interesting what, what they're doing and, and maybe not exactly the way that Javi would like to go about it, bringing back Danny Alves as well. But they have to figure out a way to get in the top four. They have to be in the Champions League. They have to be back to what Barcelona and the fans expect. And, uh, yeah, some interesting moves. I think they're going to have enough quality. I thought they looked very good against Atletico Madrid last week, scoring four goals, uh, much mm. to, I'm sure, the delight of many people against a team in Atleti that uh, should be better defensively, and they're just Xavi's not. Xavi's biggest win with Barcelona so far, I think. It, yeah, and it was, an, it was an important win, too, right? Mm. Coming out of an yeah. international break, and, and you got these new signings, and how do you get everybody you know, working together? And obviously, you got some really talented youngsters and and, and Pedri and Gabby and and... And Abdi, and then you got this Ushman Dembele situation. You know, he's probably going to now leave in the summer. But I don't know. Aubameyang was one of his buddies at Borussia Dortmund. I don't know. There's a lot of potential positive energy there that I think Xavi can mine and use to great effect. Now, the now last everybody time gets a playlist, Jimmy. Everybody. That's, can I know. <laughs> I, 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 maybe Joe Rogan That's will be good. the coach at some point. I don't even know. Uh, yeah, different conversation. But what I'll say is, when when Xavi took over, they played Espanol pretty early on in his tenure, and yep. Barcelona won one zero. But Raul de Tomas, I think he hit two off the crossbar. Like they got very lucky to beat uh, Espanol in that game. If everybody, I remember it very clearly because I'm like, man, that's a that's a great debut. I mean, you got the three points, but a little bit nervy. Espanol, I think, will be up for it. But I think with these additions and now with Xavi being able to put his fingerprints on the team a little bit more, I think Barcelona is going to have too much quality. I agree. And by the way, guys, before I give my take on it, you guys are both funny people, and I never <laughs> give you credit for that. You guys are both you. Both- Pretty funny. You're funny. You're timing, your delivery. I know you're both professionally trained as well, which gives me even more warmth to, to, to tell you this stuff. But no, uh, you know, this is it, it seems like a small deal in the context of what Barcelona are going through. But obviously, these local derbies are hugely important for the pride, for the history. And when you go off of that win, as Jimmy mentioned, the most comprehensive win that they've had. One of those ones that we on the outside go, oh, wow, that first half uh, against Atletico, best half that we've seen so far. And they grind out against uh, a result against Atletico Madrid. But you could see the energy shift on the players that it felt like their first team win, right? That it wasn't just a, bunch, a couple of guys having to have star moments. And then you take that to your, to your local derby, and I think that's a real responding and bounce-back moment where you're starting to almost see in real time the buy-in uh, into the club, and you haven't even rolled out your best player, or not quote-unquote your best players, your new incoming players yet. So I think, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of opportunity there. I think Barcelona get the win uh, in this one as well. By the way, Barcelona, two points uh, behind Real Betis, and they have a game in hand. So, you know, they could keep climbing up the table. Similar situation to Juventus, where, you know, things are kind of looking good for them, partly thanks to January and partly thanks because they're figuring things out. Uh, Espanol have suffered 101 defeats in their 173 matches against Barcelona. That's a fun fact. When you put it like that, it's kind of... uh... Anyway, what else we got going on? Villarreal against Real Madrid. Uh, by the way, keep your eyes peeled on our YouTube channel because I had a great chat with Arnaud Danjuma, by the way. Really great chat with him. He's he's quite a player, quite a character, quite a person. Uh, and one of the other fixtures, by the way, Des Norris, in La Liga as we look ahead because I keep asking, I Liga, Real Madrid, are they done with this? But can we get tighter? Anything there, Jimmy, that's speaking to you? I presume you're going with Cholo. 
Well, I want to say Cholo because I'm frustrated with them and I could go off on a 10 minute rant. Nobody needs that. We all know that I'm frustrated with Atletico Madrid and Diego Simeone. And I have friends that support the club that say Diego Simeone is washed. And, and stop that, using that, your friends, Jimmy. Stop. Okay, using I'm your just friends. saying, no, no, no. I, don't think I know that you don't have friends. And he has a collection of talent. And I think he's had more talent than he's ever had, at least on the attacking side of the ball. And I don't think he's got that figured out. On the defensive side, I just don't know what's happening. Oblock's having an off year, maybe some injuries, of course, to some of the backline members, uh, giving Trippier away to Newcastle, even though I appreciate it as a Newcastle fan. Uh, that maybe threw them off a bit. I don't know. I, I just I have a lot of questions there. But Villarreal, Real Madrid is actually the sick matchup and the one that I want to watch, even though Gerard Moreno for Villarreal probably won't start. Dan Juma will start. So very curious to watch that interview you had with him. It doesn't look like Benzema's going to start either. They want to save him for the Champions League against PSG midweek. So probably Isco gets another start. But, you know, this this uh, Madrid team is is next level. And I think they're going to find a way to get a result. I don't know if it's going to be a win. I could see a draw here. They drew earlier in the season when they played against each other at the Bernabeu. And, and I think that Unai Emery definitely gets his guys up for the biggest of games. I think they struggle against teams that they should beat. And for whatever reason, they always seem to drop points. This isn't always a loss, but... But uh, and they're coming off a big win against Real Betis away from home last week. So they'll have some confidence. And to your point before, I mean, they're very close to also getting into the top four. They're not too far away. But I see a draw here between two very good clubs. Yeah. Part of, by the way, part of that conversation with Anjuma, I asked him about Unai Emery and ugh, he could not say nicer things. Like he's such a big fan of what Emery does as a manager and as a mentor, et cetera, et cetera. So watch out for that. By the way, as I mentioned earlier, Champions League returns and Real Madrid, who we were just talking about and that Jimmy brought up against that game against Villarreal, they face PSG. This is going to be clearly the marquee game as we return to the Champions League. And PSG, uh, I was watching Chiringuito, guys, this week, and Real Madrid <laughs> fans are like kind of nervous. They're they're pretty nervous. Obviously, the Mbappé thing, if it's going to happen or not, but also like, you know, just their whole concept about the Galactico and are they really back? Are they really good? So it's interesting to see. And PSG, Heath, who are facing Rennes this weekend, uh, a little tune-up ahead of their Champions League. How do you see PSG, Heath, uh, so far? I mean, uh, I read that Neymar's back in training, whatever that means for the team, uh, which is which is great for them. Probably won't be obviously uh, here at the weekend against against Ren, uh, but certainly brings a little bit of that hype back to the Champions League of could he feature? You know, when you think about your super subs or a player that could destroy you in the in the final quarter of an hour, somebody that brings something different to the game. I certainly think there's reason to be nervous there. PSG against Ren, it's a good tune-up. Ren are a very good side. Uh, but, but PSG, again, I don't really see the issues that they're having, uh, that we talk about on the, on, on the grander scale within, within the league itself. Uh, I think they're, they're pretty well comfortable there and know how to get the results. It's just a matter of now the, the, the problems that they have are always when, when the, when their best attacking team is fit, because you talk about United 11, you talk about other teams, 11, the biggest issue for PSG is always going, going to be the 11 because there is no rhythm when their best players are around. So while I think there's a nervousness when Neymar comes back, uh, it also should be a welcome sign if your team having to face them in the Champions League just because of the fact that, yeah, they've got star powers, they've got X-Factors that can do anything at any time. But as a team, as a cohesion, they're just very, very vulnerable still. And I think we had hoped when we when we saw all the signings come in that by February they would have figured that out. But because of the the rotating drama of Mbappe news or injuries and rotation of the squad, we haven't really seen a best 11 come out of this team yet. Or if we have, we know that how difficult it is to actually put out your best 11, knowing that to do that, you might be disappointing a couple of the biggest stars in the in, in the game as well as the history of the game. 
Yeah, no, I, I, those are good thoughts and insights, and I appreciate that, Heath. What I'll say is I think they have kind of figured it out uh, a little bit. Their performance against Lille this past weekend, where they won 5-1 away from home, very good. Yeah. was incredibly impressive. And, and in a way, I just felt like they had established a rhythm, and they just seemed a little bit more balanced. Now, Di Maria started up top. Messi was the false nine. Mbappe was on the other side. Di Maria ended up coming out hurt. I don't know if he's going to play. In this game against Ren, I don't know if he's going to be healthy against Real Madrid. I think that is something to keep in mind. But it's the midfield, I think, that we always like. Who is the connective tissue here, as you like to say, Heath, between the back line and the front line? And it was Pereira. Danilo Pereira ended up having two goals, uh, Paredes and Verratti. And when Verratti plays, we've talked about it ad nauseum, that, that when he plays, they're just better. He, he finds those gaps. He helps the team transition. I thought Nuno Mendes was good. He got Akimi on the other side. And for whatever reason, they just press every right button. I don't know if that's now the buy-in uh, in what Mauricio Pochettino is doing or Mauricio Pochettino's figured out how to talk to his players in the right way to get the most out of them. Is it because they're now past the transfer window? Mbappe, we don't have that stuff swirling anymore. They can just focus on what's in front of them. Is it because they're going to elevate their performance because everybody wants to win the Champions League and all of a sudden their focus is a little bit different? I think it's a combination of all these things. And if I was a Madrid fan, I would be very nervous because this PSG team, when they played them against the, in the, the Champions League group stages uh, two years ago, they, they had a 3-0 win in Paris and a 2-2 draw at the Bernabeu. This PSG team's not afraid of Madrid, and this is a tough matchup, I think, for, for Madrid in particular. And I think that Ren, unfortunately for them, even though they're scraping in fifth place in Ligue 1, obviously want to get into the top three or four places to get into Europe, it could be a little bit too tall of an order given, I think, the rhythm that PSG are currently in. Yeah, Heath, go ahead. I just wanted to put my hand up there and argue with Jimmy for a minute. Jimmy, <laughs> I, I think those are super valid arguments, and I, and I appreciate the form and, and the belief that they have, but what, what, what PSG don't go through is what they could go through uh, when facing a Real Madrid side, right? What happens when this little bit of honeymoon phase of starting to figure it out gets punched in the face mm-hmm, by a Real Madrid, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, by somebody mm-hmm. that makes them chase, that makes them have to find the ball? Maybe they don't have possession. Maybe things, you know, <clears throat> like we've talked about a lot recently, plan A, plan B, plan C. Can Do they have the the fight to, to, to play against a team that matches up with them well, right? Where right. they get stretched out. What happens when Neymar ha- uh, starts to fight his way back inside? What happens when the when the Mbappe news starts to, starts to reemerge again uh, for, and, and cause commotion in the team. What happens when they're down after leg one? Those types of things are the things that I, uh, the fragility that I'm trying sure, to get no, no. through with this I team agree. of like, it's great when it's going great, but it hasn't gone bad for them, right? They've been able to fight their way through just because they're better than everyone. Um, just so far better than everyone that they can get results consistently. Now, if a team can come up and get a goal against them or open them up or frustrate them in a way where we saw earlier on in the season where they're not creating a lot of chances, they don't seem on the same page. That's what I'm I'm, I'm, I'm wondering is, is like, is, is this a strong foundation? Because they definitely got the quality, right? No, no, or no. Is it, or is it, is there some cracks in that and some fragility that, w- that we might face against the Real Madrid side? I'm, ju- well, I'm trying to play. The, the I, I get it. But when, when you look in, I know we're going to probably, we're going to preview this game, uh, you know, coming up, but, but I will say when we look at the group stages, they only lost once and it was in Manchester two one, but I thought we saw some cracks. RB Leipzig actually got at them. At, at, at both games, it was a 2-2 in, in Germany and it was a 3-2 where Leipzig was actually up 2-1 in Paris and then uh, PSG came back. So, yes, there are some vulnerabilities there. I guess I'm just trying to see the, the sunny side of things. And they just they looked incredibly good against Leo, the best I've seen them perform in, in almost every single position. And, and I just don't know what it is outside of the points that I already mentioned or maybe just a connection of that. But I think this team will elevate the performance in the Champions League. And, and Madrid's got to be bummed that they had to m- match up with PSG in the round of 16.
The only two factors that I will go back to is that during before Christmas, uh, all that we said was just get to the round of 16. Just get there. You're going to struggle because I agree with Jimmy. We have seen cracks with PSG already. Get to the round of 16. And the other factor is, which I think is more important, is that, you know, Messi obviously is playing well against Lille, whatever, but it's not him anymore that's the focal point. It's Kylian Mbappé's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. technique and, and, and factor in a game. It's Angel Di Maria when he say it's at the back. It's obviously in the midfield. And when that happens, then Pochettino has a recipe for success. And that's why I think, going back to the Chiringuito thing, Madrid fans are nervous because they're like, it's no longer about, oh, Messi, Messi, Messi. It's everybody else. Right. So this should be a very intriguing game, of course, and a tune-up against Rennes. All right, well, this is it. That's the end of our weekend preview. Final thoughts always end with final Thoughts? I mean, Heath is calling Jimmy and I very funny. I could, you know, end with a joke, maybe a, yeah, a, yeah, an impression, impersonation. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But Heath, here's final thoughts, my friend. Uh, I mean, not really. I would love to just have you give. <laughs> I love I how know. honest you are sometimes. Give, it's like, nah, I don't really have anything. Give, give us a joke. I mean, obviously, there's there's uh, Hoffenheim playing Bielefeld. Uh, George Bello will make hopefully play a second game against our boy Chris Richards, and that's the one that I think is 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 exciting. That's funny. I, my final thought was Germany as well. We got Bruce Munch and Gladbach and Joe Scally taking on Augsburg and Ricardo Pepe. Munch and Gladbach gives up a lot of goals, so I'm hopeful that Pepe can hit the back of the net. I love it. I love it. I don't have anything. I don't have the only thing. <laughs> Tell us a joke. Tell us a joke. Now, tell you a joke. Um, all right. Yeah, you're on the spot. Uh, the Pulp Fiction joke. Ready? Papa Tomato, Mama Tomato walking down the street, and little baby tomato just lagging behind, and Mama Tomato gets really angry, goes back and just like squishes him and goes, ketchup. Ketchup. <laughs> you, you know what? I got one for you. You know why you know why witches can't have babies? Why? Because their husbands have Halloweenies. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I, 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 thanks for having me. Don't forget to, uh, we are ending uh, it on that. Kegolasa pod on Twitter, youtube.com forward slash Kegolasa. You can listen to it anywhere you listen to your pods. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We're nearly there to 10,000 subscribers. Heath Pierce, thank you, brother. Thanks for having me. Jimmy Conrad's left, and he should. He should join. Right there. Oh, there he is. <laughs> George Costanza, because that was a great, great joke. But thank you so much, Jimmy. Later. There you go. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a great, great weekend. And the three of us will be back for Weekend Recap. Enjoy the rest of your day. Till then. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.